It's so, uh, it's so exciting to see around the church, like, you know, when you come back from being away, you get kind of to see things with fresh eyes. And, and one of the things I've noticed is how many people in our church are pregnant. <laughs> I love that because it, it's just amazing to watch God build his family, his church, his kingdom. Um, and I'm just so grateful for it. And I, I just wanted to take just a second and pray for moms who are pregnant. I also wanted to pray for moms uh, who have kids that are wayward. I want to pray for women who want to be moms. Just for a second. I, I don't know. I just felt led to do that. So let's, let's all pray together. God, we thank you that you are a God that hears our prayers. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for the little babies that are in utero, that are being formed. God, we ask that you would strengthen the moms, that you would strengthen the little ones, that as they pass from the belly to the world, God, that you would knit them and fashion them into the the young little boys and young little girls that you want them to be. Father, you'd carry them through that safely. And God, we pray your anointing on each of them, that they'd be world changers for you. And Father, we pray for moms that hearts are hurting and broken over the fact that maybe their kids have walked away. Maybe they're wayward. Maybe they're, maybe you'd even describe them as prodigal. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd reach into space and time And that you would shake them loose. Shake them loose from the grip of the enemy. That they might see clearly again who you are and your purpose for their lives. And Father, I pray for those moms or those women that long to be moms. God, whether it's your will that they be, uh, that they have natural born kids or whether they even become adoptive parents. Father, we ask that the way would be made. You are the way maker. And so, Father, I pray that your will would be done. Father, help us as a church to care for the kids that you give us. Father, we love you so much and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you guys awake? You ready to rock and roll this morning? Come on. (laughs) I want to read something to you that you probably have heard If you haven't heard it, I'm going to read it to you, so just hold on. But here it is. Our mission as a church. You may or may not know what it is, but listen to this. Our mission is to see people transformed by Jesus. Like that's our heart, is we want to see people transformed by Jesus, by helping them know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Pretty simple, isn't it? Now, it's not always simple to do, but it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Now, before you check out and think, oh, no, it's just one of those messages, just hold on. I promise the Lord has something for you if you open yourself up to it. Our mission as a church is to see people transformed by Jesus, that they would know the God that we know, that they'd find freedom from the things that hold them back. Come on. That they'd be full and aware of God's purpose for their life. What an amazing thing. And that they would put that into practice by making a difference in this world. How many of us believe our our city needs more of Jesus? Yeah? How many of us believe our nation needs more of Jesus? (laughs) I mean, I hear you guys complaining all the time on Facebook. How many of us believe our world needs more of Jesus? So here's the question. How's that supposed to happen? Now, God could walk down and be like, you, 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 you. Yeah, he could do that. But you know what he's done? He's created a plan. And you're the plan. Whether you know it or not, you're the plan. And you have a job to do. And so I just want to say this today. If you're here today and you're you're kind of on the fence, you're kind of like, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing. First of all, I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. And I promise you there's something in this message for you. 
But just for a moment, I want to spend some time talking to believers. People that would say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in for a treat. And you know why you're in for a treat? It's because you get to see me pick on believers for the next 30 minutes. It's going to be so good. But our mission as a church is to see people transformed by Jesus. What a great mission. What a great mission to see people know God and find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. Come on. So good. Over a month ago, last, I think we shared a little bit about this last week. Over a month ago, my sister-in-law had a stroke. And the truth is, I mean, the doctor said she was going to die. And I was on the other end of that phone when he said that. And I think when you get a phone call like that, it does something to you, doesn't it? I mean, it just, uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten a phone call that was hard or scary. It just does something to you. It's like, it doesn't just, you know, kind of wash over you like a water on a duck. It, it, it really sticks to you. It's forming. It's changing. It, matter of fact, I think it's transforming if you allow it. Because, see, God works in our pain. He works in our suffering. He works in the difficulties of life. And, and sometimes we reject it outright because it's painful and we don't want to have anything to do with it. And so we jettison the process or we medicate the process or whatever we do to cope with the pain. But the point is that if we will allow the suffering or the pain to transform us through the grace of God, if we will allow it to, to, to get deep into us, it actually can propel us into the future. It can make us the people that God wants us to be. It's so important that we see this. And so one of the things that I've been reflecting on a lot since that phone call is that I don't have much more time on this earth. Now, I know that I probably look like I'm 25. And I have the physique of a, I don't know, a bodybuilder, maybe. When I graduated from high school, I weighed 125 pounds. I don't weigh 125 pounds anymore. But you know, the thing that, that I've reflected a lot on lately is that we have to be urgent about the things of God. Because here's the deal. You don't know. Like some of you young people right here in front. You know, you guys are great. Look at you all young and pretty. We, we don't know how long you have. I don't know how long any of you have. Come on. Don't be mad at me for pointing it out. I know we don't want to face it. But it's just true. It's just true. I didn't expect to get that phone call. I didn't expect to be in the hospital praying that God would save my sister-in-law. I didn't didn't expect any of those things. And so what God did in that moment for me is he started to remind me of the urgency of life. Because we become so casual to it, I think. You know, we just go about our day. One of my least favorite phrases of late is, I just want to waste some time. Hey, let's go do this and waste some time before we go do the other thing, right? I know, I know, we all have said it probably, but we never get that time back. And so what happens is, 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 is in life we become numb to, to, to life and time and we lose our sense of urgency. But I tell you, when you face down death, (laughs) that urgency starts to bubble up, doesn't it? It does. It starts to bubble up in our lives. And it's like, wait a second. Wait a second. I I think maybe, just maybe, I've been too casual. Now, when you're really young, you're like, I don't even think about it. I don't even care. But as you get older, maybe you start to think about it more. When you get to an age where you start losing friends, When you start losing people you care about that you thought would be there, but they're not there anymore. 
all of a sudden, God starts to stir it up a little bit in your lives. And this thing that God was teaching me was about urgency. Because, see, my understanding of urgency, listen to this, my understanding of urgency really does matter. See, 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 urgency reveals my understanding and my care of time. Urgency really reveals my understanding and care of time. And sometimes what happens in our life is that we may not understand time properly and we may not care for time properly. All of which time, God would say, is ours to steward. Just like it would be, he calls us to steward our money, to steward our relationships, to steward anything. So, so it seems to me that, that we should steward time with an understanding of how God defines it and with a care that heightens urgency so that we get done the things God wants us to get done. Because all of us have an assignment. And if we don't fulfill our assignment, that's on us. That's not on God. Now, you may still make it to heaven, but that doesn't mean you're going to finish your assignment. And I want you to finish your assignment. I want to finish my assignment. I want to get to the pearly gates and God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not, hey, you made it, just barely. I mean, you escaped the fire, son. You did. I'm proud of you for doing that. You received salvation because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But man, you barely made it. Does anybody want that? No one wants that. Everybody wants the father to say, well done, kid. Well done, daughter. Well done, son. That's what we want. And here's the reality about time. And you got to hear this. And this is from James Chapter 4, verse 14. And I want to read it in the Amplified Version because it, it kind of teases out some of the nuance here. But it'll make sense to you as I read it. It's very straightforward because that's what James does. He's very straightforward. And this is what he says. He says, yet you do not know about what may happen tomorrow. Is that true? None of us know. Now we can predict or we can try or we can play the odds. But we really don't know what's going to happen. He says, what is the nature of your life? You are, listen, you are, but a wisp of vapor. And then the Amplified says, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. Now, let me say it this way, disappears into eternity. Because the reality is, is that when we die, we don't just go. Our soul lives on. And we either live eternally with God or we live eternally separated from God. My friends, that is real. And let me say this, if we believed that at a very deep level, I believe we'd be more urgent about the mission of God especially for people that we care about. Especially for people that we want to see with us at the end of days. See, see, I know that that is hard to hear sometimes. But my hope is when you come to church that you don't just come just to get encouraged, but you come to get challenged too. Because I think sometimes we need a message that shakes us a little bit that shakes us out of our routine a little bit and helps us to see that there are realities around us that we don't even think about sometimes. And so listen, we have a limited time on this earth and we should make sure that we use it as wisely as possible. That we should never waste time. God help us. God help us. And so what I want to do is I want to jump into to, to John chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, you can look there at John chapter 4. Uh, it'll be on the screens as well, but, but you, can, you can turn to that right now. James chapter 4, you can get your phone out and you can find it. James chapter 4. No, I said John chapter 4. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, wait. They're both J's, guys. Give me a break. John chapter 4. The gospel of John, the fourth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
John. Find John chapter 4. Now, what's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that right before the, the section we're about to read, Jesus is interacting with a woman. And her, this woman is called the Samaritan woman. Maybe you've heard this story. Uh, there's a well, and Jesus is at the well, and she shows up, and, and they have this interaction at the well. Now, there's all kinds of things happening in this story that I don't have time to unpack today. But the point that you need to see is that Jesus is interacting with an outsider. He's interacting with what the Jews might call a half-breed. You see? So he's interacting with this woman, this Samaritan woman, who doesn't seem to have had the best life in terms of her choices. Jesus points out that not only has she had one husband, she's had five. And the one that she's with is no longer her husband. So, I mean, there's an interesting thing going on. And if you put it in the context of Jesus' day, him, Rabbi, Jesus, religious leader, talking to a Samaritan woman, half-breed, a woman of ill repute. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? You, you kind of get it. You get it. And so that's what's going on at this well. And Jesus is talking to her and having this conversation about how if she would move towards him in faith, she would receive something. And what she would receive is not just regular old water, but that she would receive something much greater. Water that never runs out. Like, come on. Like, it would be something she's never had before. And so that's kind of what's happening before we get to the part that I'm going to read. And then after the part that we're about to read, Jesus is doing all kinds of healings. So he's working on salvation on the front end for this woman and the Samaritans, those people that are outside God's kingdom. Yes? And on the back end, he's doing these healings. So it's important you see these con this context. Because see, guess what? Jesus is on mission. Jesus is on mission. And we have to see that because, see, if Jesus is on mission, then that means that we need to also be on mission. And so what happens is that Jesus comes to this well. The Bible says that he's exhausted. You ever been exhausted? Now, you may think, well, Jesus never got exhausted. He was Jesus. Well, see, here's the truth. The Bible teaches that Jesus, the Son of God, became incarnate. What that, what that means is that he, God, became man and lived among us. And this is important, you got to get this theologically, is that at the same time, Jesus is fully divine and fully human at the same time. Now, I don't know how he did that. Do you? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that the Bible teaches that that's true. So what that means is, is that when it says that Jesus is exhausted, he doesn't have like just divine exhaustion because he can't be exhausted if he's divine. He has human exhaustion. He knows what it means to be exhausted. He knows what it means to be famished. He knows what it means to be weary. Just like you and me, he knows. In Hebrews, the Bible says that he can relate to us because of that fact. And so every time you suffer, every time you struggle, Jesus can relate to what you're dealing with. And the good news about him being divine is in the midst of him dealing with that as a human, he never sinned. He was never overcome by it. He never allowed the struggles of being a human to keep him from doing what God had called him to do. Here's the point. We are called to a similar lifestyle. When you take on Christ as your Savior and your Lord, the Bible says that you take on everything that Jesus had. Yes? And so what that means is, is that that's the life that Jesus calls us to. And so Jesus is famished. He comes to the well. He has this interaction with the woman. And all the while, the disciples aren't there. The disciples are out looking for food. You know why? Because they were hungry. <laughs> that was a Captain Obvious statement, people. They were looking for food because they were hungry. We pick up the story in John 
chapter 4, verse 31. Listen. Meanwhile, the disciples were what? They were what? Urging. They were urging, urging Jesus. I like that word, urging, because it relates to a word I mentioned earlier, urgent. Okay, so they were urging Jesus. Rabbi, eat something. Now, why would they say that to Jesus? Well, he was at the well, and the Bible clearly says that he was exhausted. So being good disciples, they say to Jesus, Jesus, would you eat something? Please. I know that you need to get your work done, but would you eat something, please? Now, if you're a disciple, that seems reasonable to say to your master, to say to your rabbi, teacher, you, you look famished. Here's some, have you eaten anything? I, I, we need to get you some food, right? But then watch this. And this is what Jesus does in verse 32. Here's the big but again, a contrast. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Can you imagine? And being a disciple, you're like, oh, go here, here he goes again. I thought we were just talking about food, but oh, the lesson. I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And I suspect at this point they're like, oh, okay. Well, what is that, Jesus? Verse 33, he says, did, they say, did someone bring him food? While we were gone, I mean, I, what do you mean you have food? You haven't eaten? We didn't eat. How did you eat? And so they begin to ask each other that question. Now, what I want us to see in that is that Jesus hears them. And he even hears their urging. Have you had anybody ever urge you to do something? Yes? I mean, they urge you. You need to eat something. Or, hey, you need to go to school. <laughs> you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. So there's an urging that sometimes can happen in our lives. People can urge us to do things. And here's the crazy thing about this story. Is that they're urging Jesus to do something that's good. Like it's logical. It makes sense. You're exhausted. Urge to eat food. Makes sense. So what's the big deal? Why is Jesus painting this contrast? What's, what's he getting at? Here's, here's what I think is happening. See, Jesus is not just concerned with personal mortality. Get this. He's not just concerned with personal mortality. And he's trying to speak against, listen, he's trying to speak against it dominating our concerns. Makes sense. So he's not saying don't eat a burger. He's not saying don't eat. He's not just saying, hey, starve yourself to death. No, he's, he's saying that, that, that in the middle of life, what can happen is sometimes we get so focused on the good. We get so focused on the concerns of life. Come on. That we lose sight of the mission of God. Friends, that's, that's a good reminder for all of us today, because see, this is what I want you to see, is we get off track when we allow good things to get us off track. They're good things. They're not like, hey, I want to urge you to take these methamphetamines. <laughs> see, most of us would say, no, I'm good. So, so it's not that it's bad. It's good. That's what makes it so dangerous. And that's what makes it so hard to see. Because what happens is everybody around you would be like, yeah, you should eat. You should eat. Of course you should eat. And you should be merry. And you should drink. And you should rest. And you should have all these things in life that you enjoy. And on and on it goes. Come on. And so everybody in the room is just like, yeah, that makes sense. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. But then what happens? Come on. What happens is we get so focused on the good that we miss the mission. We start to become casual around the mission. We start to become casual around the things that God is interested in. 
God is interested in his mission advancing. And sometimes we get so focused on the good. So here's a question for you. And this is a good question. I I want you to write this down or think about it. But here's the question. What kinds of good things have we allowed to get us off track lately? Let me say it again. What kinds of good things have we allowed to get us off track lately? Man, that's such a great question. I was expecting you guys to be like, Pastor, that is such a great question. I'm going to thank you. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate that. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to chew on that. Like cow, chews, cud. I'm just going to all week. Because, because see, it happens to all of us. And that's why it's so important for us to stop and have just a moment and say, God, where have I done that? And it's not that God's mad at you or it's not that you won't make it to heaven. It's just simply readjusting or resetting our situation. It's resetting things. It's hitting the reset button and saying, okay, Jesus, I love you more than anything, even more than that burrito. And I'm willing to put aside my comfort. I'm even willing to put aside my desires in order to accomplish your mission. So where have you allowed the good things to get you off track lately? Those things that dominate your thoughts. Those situations. Those feelings. Those good things. So what's the big deal? Why am I I harping on this? (laughs) Because if we don't get this right, church then that means the mission of God suffers. Yes? Use your brains. If each one of you have a job to do and you don't do your job, then what happens? What is the sum effect to the kingdom of God if we don't? Now, you don't have to do my job. You have to do your job. We all have a job to do. We all have an assignment. That's why it's so important that you find your purpose. Because we all have an assignment to do. And what happens is that the kingdom of God is built and it's such a glorious thing to be a part of. And we trade in the things of this world and we reach for the things of God. And Jesus is so good about this. He's listening to his disciples say, man, you look hungry. You should get something to eat. And he says, man, you have no idea what this is about. Remember the context? He's ministering to the Samaritan woman far from God. And on the back end, he's healing people. And this is what he says to them. So Jesus says, okay, I have a kind of food that you don't know anything about, disciples. And he goes on to explain it. Listen, in chapter 4, verse 34 through 38, Jesus goes on to explain it. It's a little sermonette, you know. He's like, hey, I have something to teach you. Here's a little sermonette for you. And so it says that Jesus explained why he said to them, I have food that you know nothing about. He goes on and he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Now, wait a second. That seems interesting. Because if you're hungry, how is doing the will of God somehow going to fill your food, you know, put food in your belly? Yeah, right. That's the tension. That's what John is so good at. As you read the Gospel of John, he creates these layers, these layers that are both physical and spiritual all the time. And so what he's saying to you is that that somehow he is nourished by accomplishing what he is put on this earth to do. So he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So. He's supposed to do the will of God because he's been sent to do that and he's supposed to finish the job. Oh, guys, are you like me? I like to start things and not finish them. Matter of fact, I like to start all kinds of things. I mean, I could have multiple things going on at once. 
I think it drives my wife nuts a little bit because I'll start a project at home and I won't finish it. Like right now, and if some of you want to help me, I need your help. But right now, I installed toilet paper rolls in my house. Now, some of you are like, done, easy. Well, it's not easy for this preacher. I'm not mechanical. I, I just, I don't think, I think like, that's eh, good enough. <laughs> I don't ever use the right tool. I, I don't read the directions. Most of the time it doesn't go well. And so what happened is I put this dumb toilet paper holder on, but it didn't work. It was like flopping around. It wasn't tight. And so I had to move it. Well, when you move it, there's another hole. So I had to move it and it still doesn't work properly, but there was a hole. I left the hole for weeks. I was like, eh, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I grabbed some spackle, I put it on there, and I think I sanded it. But it's still sitting there. Spackle, looks real nice, sanded. So if you came to my house, you would find projects like that if you looked really close that were unfinished. I think... Jesus isn't going to be mad at me for not putting the paint back on the wall. Now, my wife might be. She might be like, what are you doing? But Jesus isn't, I don't think when I get to heaven, he's going to be like, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you put the spackle back on the wall? For Pete's sakes. Who does that? I taught you better. If I sacrifice that, for the kingdom of God. He's going to cheer me on. That's it. That's the deal. He's going to cheer me on. And see, see what Jesus is trying to help us to see is that sometimes we get so focused on, on doing things and doing this and getting that, but, but, but we're not focused on finishing the job. That all of us have a job to finish. All of us have people to reach out to. There are people in this world that need to hear your story. They need to hear what you have to say. Because what's going to happen is it's going to connect with their story. And it's going to draw them closer to Jesus. And they're going to get saved because of what you said. Not because of what your preacher said. But because of what you said. Our job is to finish the work like Jesus says. See, watch this. He says, you know the saying. So he goes on and he, he goes to like proverbial sayings of the day. And he says, you know this saying, four months between planting and harvest. Everybody knows that saying, of course, right? But I say, listen to this. I say, wake up and look around. Wake up and look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid a good wage, the Bible says, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to what? Eternal life. Are we unclear about what Jesus' mission was? Are we unclear why he was reaching out to the Samaritan who was outside the faith? Are we unclear why he was healing the people in the latter parts of the chapter? No, we're not unclear because he had a mission. And it wasn't just to heal people. His mission was to see that people... God's kids got returned back to the Father. See, that's the mission that Jesus was focused on. And then watch this. What joy. Say joy. Come on. Everybody want joy? Everybody here want joy? Yes. Everybody I know wants joy. He says, what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. So if you plant, joy. If you harvest, joy. Now why is there joy? We'll get to that in a second. He goes on in verse 37. You know the same. One plants and another harvests. And it's true, Jesus says. But then he says, I sent you to the harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. So what he's saying is that you 
believers in Jesus Christ today, get to reap the benefits of people that planted before you. That's amazing. That's why it's so important we honor those that came before us. That we spend time honoring those people because they were the ones that were doing the work that we're now reaping. And so often in our lives, we want to see the reaping. We just want to grab hold of the reaping, but we don't want to do the work. But the work that we're doing now, we will see a harvest, the Bible says. But the work that we're doing now actually will be reaped by our kids and their kids. Do you see? And as long as Jesus hasn't come and come back, that means that cycle is still going. And we are a part of that. And so Jesus says very clearly that I'm nourished by being obedient to the things of God. I'm nourished by fulfilling the mission that Jesus or that God has put me on. And then finally, Jesus was committed to finishing the Father's work. My heart for you, for me, is that we would be committed to the same things. So how do we be about the Father's business? Listen, I'm going to give you four things. Stay focused. Four things to help you be about the Father's business. Number one, just like Jesus said in verse 35, we need to wake up. This is a message for you to wake up. This is a message to shake you up a little bit so that you see clearly again that you have been maybe, just maybe, focused on some things, some, some, some concerns, and you haven't been wise with your time so that you can see again what's really going on. And that you would create some urgency about the things of God. You would create some urgency about the mission of God. We need to wake up is what Jesus tells us. Isn't it true that sometimes we get lazy? Isn't it true that we get distracted? Isn't it true that we start to pursue things that won't last? And matter of fact, we, we pursue things that won't last at such a rate that we're building so many storage units. I just don't get it. There's another one going in in Fenton. Like, have you seen it? You just go out 30, there's another one. How many more of these darn things do we need? How much more crap do we need? And we chase it, and we chase it, and we chase it, and we spend so much time on it. And look, here, here, I'm not telling you not to have great things. I'm just simply telling you, don't allow yourself to get distracted. Don't allow yourself to get so concerned with the things of this world that you stop ushering in the kingdom of God now. Jesus, would you help us with that? Number two is we need to look around. We need to look around. That's what the Bible says. So we need to wake up. We need to look around. So we need to look around. Okay, okay God, who in my life needs to hear the, the, the story? Who in my life do I need to share? Who in my life do I need to build a relationship with? Who in my life? Some of us have been going to the same hairdresser for years, and we've never brought up the thing of Jesus. Come on. My favorite thing in the world is to build a relationship with a hairdresser and eventually tell them about Jesus. I hide the fact that I'm a preacher most of the time because they won't talk to me. And so I build my relationship, then they'll talk to me. But where are they going to go? They're cutting your hair. I mean, it's opportunity right there. To look around and see. Is anything? Is there anybody out here that I need to talk to today? Is there anybody at work today that I need to give an encouragement to? Is anybody having a bad day? Is anybody going through it? Is anybody in pain that I can help alleviate that pain? Is there anybody suffering in my life right now that I can walk right in the middle of their suffering and be Jesus to that person? Because see, what happens is when you do that, people listen. As they say, What's that old adage? Uh, they won't know how much you care until you care about them or something. <laughs> That's so messed up. I, I don't even know what the saying is, but it's so good. I'll think of it later. Did anybody else have it? There it is. They don't know how much you care until they care about you. No, no, no. <laughs> See, if you just say it real fast, it makes sense. Just keep going with it. But see, what happens is you, you move into that, and all of a sudden you now have a voice. Number three, 
is we need to see the fruit. We need to stay on mission. We need to recognize that the fruit isn't me just getting new things. Or it isn't even about me making new friends. It's about eternal life. The fruit is eternal life. Here, let me say this to you, and you're not going to like this, but just stay with me. Who have you led to the Lord lately? Now listen, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just simply saying, now you may say, Pastor, I've got all kinds of things. I know. But maybe those are the things that make you hungry. Isn't that such an honest question? Who have I led to the Lord lately? Pastor, I'm not an evangelist. I don't need you to be an evangelist. I don't need you to have the gift of evangelism. I need you to tell your story. I need you to invite people to things. I need you to do your job. Because if I wasn't doing my job, you'd be mad at me, wouldn't you? Come on. Number four is we need to gather the harvest. The Bible says so clearly that the harvest is right there. But guess what about harvest? Everybody loves the harvest, right? You've probably heard this. Everybody loves the harvest. It's like, woo, harvest time. Come on, baby. Woo, right? But guess what harvest is? It's work. It's hard work. It's not easy. You got to get out there and work. And that's what we need to see. Jesus was working. Even when he was exhausted. Even when he was physically hungry. He was working because he was about the mission of God. He had an agenda. And his agenda was Jesus doing the Father's work. Like he had no other agenda. He wasn't distracted by the things of this world. Thank God he gave us that example. And I'm not saying that we won't ever get tired or we won't be perfect because we won't be perfect at it. But we have to begin to reach for the mission that Jesus was on. We have to reach for the things that Jesus was about if we're going to be his kids, if we're going to be his sons and daughters, if we're going to represent him to the world around us, if our city's going to get better, if our nation's going to get better, if our world's going to get better, we have to begin to be serious about the mission of Jesus. Oh, God help us. We have to be serious about the mission of Jesus. And you know what the result is, the sum total? It's not just eternal life. You know what you get in this life? John 4, 36, the harvesters are paid a good wage and the fruit they harvest is eternal life. Watch it. What? Say it with me. Joy. Say it. Joy. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You want some joy in your life? Well, guess how you get it. You don't get it by being focused on the things you want. You get it by being committed to the mission of Jesus. And when people start coming to faith in Jesus, your joy will go up, friend. When you start serving people and loving people in their pain, your joy is going to go up, friend. See, that's how we get joy. Joy comes to our life when we accomplish the mission that Jesus has put us on this earth to accomplish. Oh, I need joy in my life. And you know how I get it? I get to work. I don't lick my wounds. Though I have many wounds, come on, you have wounds. We all have wounds. We all have pain. You don't live very long in this life full of sin and brokenness and not have pain. And some of us have been licking our wounds way too long. I need you to hear me today. This is your wake-up call. Start looking around. Start looking where you can help. Start begin, just begin to fulfill the mission of God and watch the joy of the Lord come upon you. I gotta, I gotta stop in just a moment. But here, here I just wanna give you four questions, okay? You're like, four? I gotta write down four? Yeah, it's okay, four. You can do it, <laughs> four. <laughs> so you're like, can we just do one? No, four. But I'm going to help you because the front of the sentence starts with the same phrase. So you can put like the little quotations, all right? You won't have to write as many words. 
But here are the four questions I want to ask. And I want you to write down. And if you don't write them down, hopefully you have a great memory. But I tell you this, most people hear my sermons, they walk out and they forget what I say. Just stay with me. If you write it down, you can put it where it needs to go. And what I want you to do is over the next six months, I want you to add these questions to your, your devotional time with the Lord. Here's the four questions. Who are you helping to know God? Who are you helping to know God? You notice it doesn't say, who's the preacher helping to know God? No, it says, who are you helping to know God? Number two is, who are you helping to find freedom in their life? Who are you helping to find freedom in their life? Number three, who are you helping to discover their purpose? And then finally, who are you helping to make a difference? Who are you helping to make a difference? So what I want you to do as an application to this message is I want you to add that to your devotional time. And over the next six months, I want you to ask yourself those questions over and over and over again. And a bonus question is, who have I led to the Lord lately? That's a good bonus question, isn't it? Man, you guys are really quiet. You okay? I know. So what I want to do is we kind of end. As your pastor, I just, I just want to pray for you. Is that okay? I just want to spend a few moments praying for you. If there's something in this message that's kind of shaking you a little bit or maybe made you think and you'd like to give it to the Lord and see what he wants to do with it, I want to, I want to intercede in that. So let's just begin to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We want to be about your business. We really do. We recognize that in the middle of life, sometimes we just get distracted. We get focused on the things that don't matter sometimes. We get focused on the good things even. And we lose sight of the mission. Perhaps you're here today and you would say that, man, I've gotten distracted. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for anybody in this room that would say honestly that they've gotten distracted. They haven't been focused on the mission. They've been focused on their own safety, their own care, their own concern, maybe even good things like their kids or their family or food or the necessities of life. They've, but you may just honestly admit that you've let the mission slip. If that's you, just, just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for letting the things of this world get me distracted. As your son or your daughter, I want to be about your mission. And so, Father, would you help me do that? Would you create opportunities for me to share my faith? Would you create opportunities for me to help someone find freedom or discover their purpose? Or, God, somebody that needs to learn to make a difference with their walk with Christ. God, would you help me? Help me. Lord, I really want to lead somebody to Christ today. God, in the next couple of weeks, I want to lead somebody to Jesus because I want to experience that joy. And so, Father, would you help me do that? Would you create that divine appointment, that opportunity? You know, the Bible very clearly says in this story in John chapter 4 that that Samaritan woman was an outsider. I don't know if you feel like an outsider today. Maybe you feel like an outsider into the family of God. Maybe you feel like an outsider in your own family. 
know the good news of the gospel? Is that we're all invited into God's family. That because of what Jesus has done, we don't ever have to be outsiders again. The reason Jesus came into this world to be on mission (laughs) was that we would be ushered in to the family of God both now and in eternity. And so what I want to do for anybody that feels that way today, you feel like an outsider, you feel like you're not in, so to speak. I want to pray for you because Jesus came for you. Jesus died for you. And the Bible says if you'll put your faith and trust in him, that he will come in and he will save you for eternity but he'll also call you son or daughter of God. And so right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I just, I just want to pray for those people that would like to make that step of faith. And so what I'd like for you to do as a sign of your desire for this, and no one's looking around, I just, I just want you to take this step, physical motion, to acknowledge something going on in the inside of you. It's a statement of faith. And on the count of three, I want you to do something. I want you to raise your hand up. If you're here in person, you can do that here. If you're online, wherever you are today, I just want you to raise your hand up. Matter of fact, there's a button you can press right there on the screen that says, I'm in, I want that. like to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ today and be saved and be brought into the family of God right now on the count of three I'm going to ask you to raise your hand one two three go ahead and raise them up raise it up high good good see those hands good thank you Jesus put those hands down. I want to pray for you, church. We're all praying together. Nobody's praying alone. We're doing this together. Come on. Just repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. I can't save myself. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be Lord of my life? I surrender to you pray that you would transform me into the person you want me to be. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? God, we thank you today. God, we praise you today for all.